Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of Blockchain and Beyond. As always, I'm your host Razan. On today's episode, I'm going to be going over Binance Blockchain Week 2022, which was hosted in Dubai. For those of you who don't know, this is an event hosted by Binance with a focus on blockchain technology, its current stance, where it's headed, um, and the future of blockchain technology. So this was run over three days, with each day kind of following a general idea. So the first day focused on some more general themes about blockchain and regulation. The second day focused on some of the current uh, status of blockchain, of blockchain projects um, and crypto in general. And on the third day, they heavily discussed the future of blockchain and crypto. So I'm going to go through each of these days to kind of give you an overview of kind of what went on uh, through each of these days and what kind of things were discussed. So on the first day, during the opening speech, the Director General of Dubai's Economy and Tourism kind of stressed the importance of regulators and governments in enabling the right ecosystems for innovation uh, to actually enable different groups to flourish and kind of foster and develop new ideas and new ways of empowering people. Uh, He basically said, let us remember that our agenda is to design a solution that spans generation. And I think that really sets the tone for how we should approach developments of new technologies, especially in their infancies. So many countries are often slow to uptake new regulation, of which leads to a stagnation of development within their countries. Or the people who are innovating within these countries are worried at each step that their work may become outlawed at any time due to new regulation. And ideally, new regulation should outline the bounds of which this new technology should operate to promote a healthy ecosystem and competition. This was then followed up by Richard Teng uh, during the fireside for global blockchain adoption. So Richard Teng is the head of Middle East and North Africa of Binance and made a key point that policymakers are actually becoming more prudent in approaching blockchain, which is a good thing. And as regulators dedicate more resources to the space and understanding the use of on-chain analytics, compliance monitoring and enforceable security, even more barriers can actually be removed in preparation for massive adoption of blockchain technology. They also emphasise the impact that blockchain can have in disrupting industries outside of typical use cases such as CBDCs and cryptocurrencies. And as more people identify the potential of blockchain, it is likely more people will be trained in understanding the subtleties of the latest technologies and consensus mechanisms, uh, including things such as tokenomics, uh, to hopefully push the known boundaries of what crypto and blockchain can currently do. To expand on this, Lee Suman, the founder of SM Entertainment, which is a multinational South Korean entertainment company, discussed SM Culture Universe which is a virtual destination where fans and artists can come together and they will use a play-to-create ecosystem to encourage the creation by rewarding for creators. So within this ecosystem, user-created content can be converted into NFTs, allowing the users to earn a profit and gain recognition for their creations. And I think that any type of creator economy which plans to reward the creator for content they create is quite ripe for innovation. So on a lot of legacy platforms, creators are often paid very little in proportion to the reach that they have and instead rely on external sponsorships for their income. 
So by putting the creator in the limelight, it incentivizes a good quality of content and content that has a high impact. And finally, for day one, there was a speech by Charles Hoskinson, who is the CEO and founder of IOHK and Cardano. And he said this about crypto. Each and everyone has the same access to crypto as the most powerful among us. And he went on to say that blockchain is the sandbox for development of decentralized ecosystems and perhaps other aspects of our lives will be impacted by it in some way. And I think that really speaks to some of the foundation of blockchain and the future that it can provide for us. Crypto is doesn't care who you are, where you're from, as long as you have you know, a phone with internet access, you can use crypto, you can interact with the blockchain in any way that is currently possible. And I think that's probably one of the most beautiful things about blockchain right now. So moving on to day two, so this is where they actually talked about the current state of uh, blockchain and crypto. So there was a big emphasis on the role of developers in the creation of web-free ecosystems. And because there's almost a near endless possibilities of what can be built, it makes sense that developers will be essential going forwards. So as part of this, the CEO of Tether, William Quigley, said that indie developers are more likely to adopt Web3 rather than centralized companies, which makes a lot of sense as it's much easier for an individual to upskill and pivot into Web3 than it will for a large company to do so. And if they did, they would probably face a lot more scrutiny as they change their approach. There was also a discussion of DeFi and three important elements to development of DeFi, which they identified as Firstly, the user experience. So I will admit the user experience for a lot of DeFi protocols or even uh, crypto applications in, in general are quite poor. There's a lot of buttons, there's a lot of menus, and it's not really clear what everything does. And you end up having to read the documentation to actually understand what you're doing on this platform. So by using feedback of the unfriendly user interfaces, the idea is that projects can move towards a simpler design and more minimal products, which can be more easily understood and used by anyone. The second point that was raised was the tech side relies on projects which are bringing scalable environments for developers and traders to actually support the ever-growing DeFi space. So a lot of layer ones actually suffer from congestion, which can make things a lot slower or expensive to use. And the recent emergence of new layer ones or even layer twos, which prioritize speed, have seen a large spike in adoption. And then the final point that was raised was the issue of fragmented liquidity due to the existence of many stable coins. And the idea is hopefully in time, this will converge to a few key stable coins to actually power DeFi in the future. And I think this is one of the key ones, which is a problem with DeFi in general, where liquidity is generally fragmented. So you can have a liquidity pool, for example, Ethereum and USDT. And this liquidity pool can exist on many different platforms, such as Uniswap and SushiSwap and other platforms such as Curve. And the problem here is, is that the liquidity is exclusive to each platform. So there can become an issue where one platform has less liquidity than another, which can cause a lot of problems for the end user. We've kind of seen developments of one sort of solution, which is DEX aggregators, which actually helps you to find the best deal based on a number of different decentralized exchanges. So hopefully in the future, either we'll see liquidity being aggregated more through these additional services, 
or perhaps we will see liquidity being focused on a few key platforms which end up emerging as the most efficient or the most competitive platforms in that particular ecosystem. And then to round up day two, there was a speech from the founder of Hypebeast, Kevin, who actually shared some of his enjoyment of flipping limited edition sneakers, and he actually likens it to NFTs. He said, we like NFTs because it's fascinating. We want to support emerging artists. He then went on to say the main draw of NFTs for him is the idea of full ownership. So contrary to traditional artwork, where ownership uh, hands over once the art has been sold, NFT changes the game and captures more of the work that the artists have put out in the real world. And we've already seen this. So Vogue Singapore have released their first NFT collection to try to position themselves as a leading brand to inspire modern lifestyle while also integrating technology into their offerings. And then on the final day, the focus turned to the future of blockchain. So primarily, there was a large focus on institutional investors to move to blockchain-based products. And in short, the idea is that there needs to be more exposure of knowledge and also of the ecosystems. And despite the developments in crypto investing, some financial institutes still find it hard to gather enough information to actually make the leap to blockchain and crypto products. And this isn't helped by the fact that the crypto space is quite intricate and complex, and it has a number of different inherent risks, uh, which are much different to Web2 ecosystems. But hopefully with time and willingness of experts in not only traditional systems, but also crypto fields, that this knowledge gap can actually be filled and transitions can actually be made. It was also mentioned that on-ramp facilities to crypto services are often cumbersome, alienating the user in the process of engaging with crypto. And this is something that I feel really strongly about. So out of all of the crypto exchanges that I've used, you know, by far Coinbase is the most user-friendly, it's the most easiest to get onboarded onto, and although they have high fees, it's usually the best option for newcomers to crypto. Whereas other platforms, whether that's crypto.com or Binance or KuCoin, are usually a lot more complex and with a lot more menus and buttons to press. And it can be confusing, especially for newcomers to this ecosystem. On a completely separate point, it was also made clear that institutes will often lose out to smaller groups in crypto, not only in terms of speed, but also the influence they have with their native customer base. So smaller, quicker companies can more quickly adapt to the changing times and promote a host of new products. Whereas large companies often face a lot more bureaucracy and a lot more scrutiny when they try to change their approach or offer new products to their customers. And then finally, this point was made. The beauty of crypto is we are in a unique position where users, builders and regulators can collectively come together to decide what investing landscape we hope to see. For example, stablecoins quickly emerged to address traders' demands for a stable environment amidst the crypto's volatile markets, and different consensus mechanisms work towards a unified crypto future. And now many digital asset service providers now actually enforce KYC regulation to help protect investors and stay compliant. And yeah, that was the end of day three of Binance Blockchain Week. And that basically covers everything that I wanted to. So I just wanted to give people, you know, a roundup of what happened. I don't know if many people know about this event that actually happens. And I think it's quite interesting for and good for for the space, for leaders in this industry to actually come together to sit down and speak about the current situation, especially surrounding regulation 
uh, the current state of blockchain and crypto products and what's available and also looking forwards into the future to see what more we can do to help make the future a reality. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, as always, feel free to reach out to me. It will be great to hear from you. But yeah, until next time, goodbye.